when you say just talking that for that for people like me is like oh my god it's so hard (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you think what i do may be hard and i think what you do is hard so it's official for the first time ever we have hip hop hustle podcast merch from hoodies to t-shirts to hats and even slides go to the hip hop hustle podcast.com to get yours hip hop hustle podcast man you heard it here first he's not playing no Aaron's not playing no fucking game You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? All right. There we go. It's always a miracle when the tech works. Um, So I'm always appreciative, but... Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with a phenomenal artist today, the one and only Kels. Uh, For those of you who don't know, absolutely amazing voice. I just got to put that out there from the very beginning. It's, it's, uh, It's one of the things that when I see on the internet, people comment on your voice a lot and it's like they don't expect it. And it's kind of true in a weird way because like you've got this really amazing like jazz pop soul r&b vibe going um and for anyone that that wants to check her out she just dropped a couple of projects at the end of 2022 uh so i think we tried and uh by the christmas tree as well came out um so feel free to check them out but there's some awesome work and some really good music videos as well so pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much i'm excited awesome well i feel like People comment a lot on like being surprised by your voice. Does it ever get tiring? Like, you know, they, they're just like, ah, oh, I don't um, expect you to come with such a, I think it's a very powerful voice. I, I think it's, it's actually a good thing. I don't think I could ever complain that there's kind of a, a twist because I wouldn't necessarily want it to be so easy to be like, oh, she looks like how she sounds. I think yeah. that's kind of a cool thing about it. Um, and honestly, people are really just doing it out of love. So like, it just doesn't bother me. I kind of, I kind of love it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the way you smile is definitely like, yeah, good. Like I want you to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. That's kind of like, I grew up doing a lot of, um, open mics and that was kind of a thing where they would think that I was about to sing something very different than I would sing. I would always make the joke like, People think I'm about to sing Taylor Swift, but I'm actually going to sing Aretha Franklin right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I've always wondered, like, with singers in particular, because it's really difficult to, like, go from their speaking voice to the singing voice. I spoke Mm. to Harley Blue. She's also a jazz musician, and she has a very strong voice, and she has this thick British accent, and I was like, when I speak to you, I don't get the same vibe. Whereas like with rappers, I can kind of pick it already mm-hmm. in just the way they speak. So I think it's really interesting that it doesn't translate as easily across into singing. Yeah. And I've always been very protective of my speaking voice. Like I don't overuse my talking voice. I don't necessarily love to, as bad as it sounds. I don't love talking. Like I, anytime I go to a party, like I'm very soft-spoken, like I'm not extroverted at all. But then when I get on stage, it's kind of just something that it's not even really me, honestly. I I feel a very big separation from like my talking voice and like myself and me going on stage and performing. And I don't, people have also told me I don't talk like how I, I sing. So, and I think that's true because when I was younger, I realized that talking too much would hurt my voice. And I've always just kind of like kept that softer tone to protect it. Well, let me say that is a lesson I certainly have not learned. (laughs) Yeah. I also can't whisper. I don't know how to whisper. It's bad for your voice. So I never would do it, but now I just like can't do it. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even know whispering was bad for your voice. It is. It's very bad for your voice. Do you know why? 
<laughs> but now I can't, so it sucks. You know, what you've done is you've given an excuse to all those loud talkers who cannot whisper. Right. They're all going to be like, yeah, can't. But, but I have this really weird thing where I don't also talk super, super loud. So I'm just weird. <laughs> yeah, I because, I, yeah, I wasn't like, geez, stop shouting, Kels. Like, you can yeah. you can take it down. And you do have, like, a very pleasant, like, just an easy volume and tonality um my brother unfortunately does not have that he is a shouter <laughs> um, he's oh a loud talker um so i remember growing up it was like as a kid he would just be just talking so loudly and it's like josh we're inside um yeah like i'm right here yeah <laughs> but now i think he's gonna start telling me like hey it's bad for my voice you know i've been protecting my speaking voice for a long time now yeah just a whisperer now. I mean, a non-whisperer, sorry. Non-whisperer. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting, though, that you said that you separate and that you feel like mm-hmm. there's a different person. Can you describe, yeah. like, when that happens and what the feeling is like? Yeah, I mean, like, my lyrics, in my lyrics, I really don't hold back in terms of vulnerability. But, like, in real life, me, Kelsey, everyday Kelsey, I don't really share a lot. So like when I'm on stage and I'm Kels, I'm sharing everything. I'm sharing what I'm feeling. I'm sharing a story that actually happened. I write all of my songs from like a very real place. And that's just something I wouldn't do in my everyday life. So I just, I feel a separation. Be- and and it's also, it's a good release of of kind of emotions that build up that I don't feel like I can express in any other way than song. So when I'm on stage and then I'm doing that, I'm kind of detached from my my everyday body and my everyday persona. That's really I feel like I wouldn't I feel like I wouldn't be able to express what I express if I didn't separate. Do you wonder why that is that you need that part um, of it? I think I, I think it's a protection thing for like my emotions, like if I operated the same way in real life and kind of was an open book, I wouldn't feel my emotions to be protective. But as a songwriter and as a performer, you can kind of say things you wouldn't normally say because you're writing a song. And so it's it's really poetry. So you kind of don't have any limits with that. So I don't know. Maybe it's a protection mechanism. I'm also super, super shy in real life. And, and I'm not really like that on stage at all. So I think it just helps. To, to keep it separate so that I can kind of be still be me, but also keep it on stage. It's really interesting. Cause it's like the way you describe it is like, maybe at the beginning it was like how you express yourself. You know, I think when you were young, cause I think I was reading you were 13 when you were started, like this whole journey. Really songwriting was when I was 13. Yeah. But even then I was, I wasn't separating at all. Like I, when I would be on stage and I would sing, around that age is when I started like singing in front of people I could barely open my mouth like I was so scared and I was like it just it my my first voice teacher I ever had told me I looked like I was having a root canal done when I would sing on stage really yeah like I'm I'm just a very private shy person and so I think the separation really developed obviously from repetition of just doing it over and over again but also just yeah I had to separate. So. Yeah, because it, it feels like it's like chicken or the egg in a way where it's mm-hmm. like you found a way to express yourself, but you also mm-hmm. found a way to foster your own creativity and it yeah. protects both of those things in a weird way. Yeah, and I wonder like for some people, because it obviously took a long time for me to to get to the point where I was able to separate and just be comfortable and keep it on stage, but I wonder at what point some people end up quitting when they feel that initial jolt of, I don't like this. But for me, when I felt that, I was like, I still have to do it, even though I, I don't like it. I have to do it because I that's the only way I'm going to share my music and my songs, and that's all, that's really deep down, that's all I care about is doing So that. is that why you push through? Yeah. I have to get the song. I have to. I have to share the songs it's like like whenever I have a whole you know backlog of of stuff that I'm writing I'm just like 
I need to put these out. I don't know how, but I need to. It's just something that's in me. I don't know. Yeah, because when you say you wonder what stops them, I think that feeling stops them. That feeling yeah. of, oh, my God, I'm getting a root canal done. And yeah, I'm and maybe, on there's, stage. maybe there's nothing underneath me. There's nothing like that little voice that's like, you have to. Because that's what I have. And I get super depressed if I don't perform a lot. Mm, that's really interesting. Because I was but like. Before, obviously, it used to be the, the opposite. I would dread performing. Yeah, that's really like cool and interesting. Because I was like, oh, maybe you could just like release songs while doing it in the studio but it's actually performing live so that's all like yeah i would i would just rather do live albums i would rather do live sessions like i don't like the studio necessarily because i'm i love capturing a moment i don't care if i can do it perfectly after the hundredth try and i don't care if People can do it perfect after the hundredth try. Like that's kind of its own thing, being a studio artist. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different. I prefer live and I prefer to capture a moment in time. I'm a very spontaneous person in that in that way, but also just in general. Yeah, I think I spoke about this recently about like there is something beautiful about imperfection and there's something mm-hmm. beautiful about mistakes and when I was younger and I started listening to music, I was like, why are there so many mistakes? Like I can hear the mistakes and then it would annoy me and I didn't get it. And now there is something, I don't know, it's easier to connect to something that isn't perfect. Because if it is, it's like too far away from you. Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, there's a time and place for that though, I think. You know, there there is a place for just studio work. And there's a place for live work. I just prefer live so much more. Do you just do you like feeling the audience? Yes, I love that. Because of most of my songs and a lot of the songs that I'm about to release are really I wouldn't call them dark. I would just call them honest. Like not trying to paint a picture that's not real. Um and I feel like people resonate with that when, when you're not afraid to do that because they sometimes they don't feel like they can do that. And that's also why it's hard for me to kind of record videos of me singing in my room. Like I, I like to like, I like there to be people. I like to share with people. COVID was really hard too because there was no performing. Yeah. It's yeah. weird because like I have this image of you on stage and you're just – hundred percent all out you're committed you're in the moment then literally you walk off stage and the fans are like oh my god and you're like hey like i'm back like my normal personality is back <laughs> and, and then oh all no the- i don't turn it off like that i just no not till i get home oh, okay. i don't turn it off like that okay. no 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 i can't do that yeah okay so it it's stays like, at home it stays, it stays at, home. at home yeah okay all right, yeah. that makes more sense because I like, just had this amazing of like, who am I? No, 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 it's not that easy. Like you do the Miley Cyrus of like, but also I'm I'm in my own kind of because I've gone into that mode. It's gonna, it's not like it's just a light switch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So does it does it make it tough to just like stay in like? I feel like we're talking about two different people in the weirdest way, Mm -hmm. but is it tough to stay as Kelsey for a long extended period of time? Yeah, because my purpose is really to write and sing and perform my music. So I really need both. I think I need Kelsey to like have my peace of mind sometimes. And like there's a nostalgia aspect of that because I, I've really only started releasing music as Kels like two years ago, but and Kels is also a nickname I've had my whole life, so it's it's still tied into to kind of like my personal being. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We we went down an existential kind of path that that I don't think yeah. either of us ex- expected. That's um that's usually how it goes with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, honestly, you don't have to apologize at all. <laughs> Um, I don't I, like surface level. 
Please. Neither, neither do I, to be honest. <laughs> if we were talking about just like, to be fair, I do talk about random stuff all the time. Um, less on this show, I've actually found. But um, no, I, I think it's good. I think it's good for people to understand, you know, the way an artist thinks about it. Because I don't think we get a lot of insight. We get the insight on only the really big artists. That's all we see. Yeah. We see like they talk about it yeah. and they're not really living in real world. Like they're yeah. beyond, they're protected from everything. And, and I mean, you're still navigating what it's like to be a normal person but also a performer. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the things that they would have to say about being an artist, if you interviewed them 10 years earlier, they would say completely different things just because – now the process can kind of be streamlined to whatever they want. Whereas like if you're not big and famous, you have so many constraints that you're working with every day. But I think that makes the art better, to be honest. Yeah, but I wonder if they have become the persona. Like, Yeah, that would be interesting. Like I don't know if everybody off. would be if willing to admit either way. It feels like that is what would happen because yeah. like like right now we take that example of like you go on, you go to and you perform and then you come home and you're like by yourself. But I'm sure there are moments and I'm sure you have times where you're not being recognized on the street. So like you can still oh, yeah. be Kelsey. I mean, like, all the time. All the like, time. <laughs> but like if, if you're like. There's, only, there's been one time though so far. Someone recognized me from TikTok and that was so cool. <laughs> how was yeah. that how was the how was the like how did it feel um it was just like amazing I mean I was literally just chilling at the park and someone was like are you Kels I'm like yeah and they're like oh my god I found Kels and that's where kind of like it, I was able to tie in that whole finding Kels handle that I have on all my social media and I'm like oh people found Kels that's cool that is very cool. I, yeah. Yeah. So, see, when you describe that, I'm like, mm, I wouldn't mind being famous, actually, now that you mention it. Just, just yeah. that. And, but I do get how it could be crazy annoying because, like, I was, like, just chilling at the park, but I loved it because it was my one, my one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it is more than once. I think it definitely yeah. will be because uh, you're doing awesome things, but – but yeah, I can I can imagine how like if you're like Drake or like Cardi B that like you can't switch it off. That is who no. you are now. And also you can't respond how you would want to respond. I think that's something that I'm learning more and more because I don't have representation like I'm just doing this indie. I'm, you know, I'm the one negotiating the contracts. I'm the one organizing the shows. I'm the one talking to the sound teams, the production teams, everybody. So I'm talking to them as Kells, right? I have to represent that. Whereas I might deliver it differently if I was a manager or if I was Kelsey, mm. you know, but I have to protect my name and my image. So I can only say certain things. I, I feel that feel like that's kind of what happens mm. it is, yeah. I wonder if you let go of that whether it would change much like just because I think sometimes we put our own boundaries on what we think like our brand is in a weird way like we yeah. decide I mean I do this independently as well and so it's yeah. like I definitely am wary of like my own self-criticism getting in the way of being able to be free enough to make the decisions I want to make. Yeah. And I don't even mean decisions really. I mean, I mean, just even in conversation, like if a manager wasn't okay with a certain contract, they could kind of deliver it a certain way. Whereas if I'm delivering it as Kels and as the brand and as the artist, I might deliver it differently just to maintain a certain brand and a certain, I don't know, perception. Mm. 50 Cent actually spoke about this in his book and he said yeah. when he goes into contract meetings, he's Curtis Jackson. He's not 50 Cent. So, yeah. so he is, 
50 Cent is his stage persona and then all business is Curtis. And so it's like he is not scared of the difference because it's like, hey, I'm a business person and I'm going to make these decisions and I'm going to say the things that Curtis would say, not the 50 Cent would say because 50 Cent is only on stage. Yeah. And, well, there's a whole other layer to that, being a woman, so. Mm. Yeah. You can say certain things and it'd be perceived very differently if you're a woman. Have you experienced that? Definitely. I would say even my stature and my size as well, just people aren't expecting any pushback. And not to say that it's always pushback, but just if there are situations where two people don't agree or we don't agree, um, it's kind of like off-putting. But it's like if, if I was a guy and maybe if I was bigger or taller, they would expect that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. See, in a completely different way, like I've worked corporate and I'm mm-hmm. quite broad and I am quite big. And so I'm always aware of the perception of like yeah. what would happen if I walk into a room and then the perception of like me responding and then Mm -hmm. if that can come across aggressive and it's like I have to tone it down the other way of like exactly and it's it is weird that our physicality influences the perception before you even do anything and already people influences influences what people think you'll allow Mm. especially being like a smaller woman um I think both ways it's it's really relevant to know kind of how you're perceived and then how people react. And then also your voice. Yeah. In, in really, <laughs> like it really is. I mean, my career professionally was in sales. So like okay. voice was everything to me is like how you say things, what you say, the words you choose, the structure you choose is everything. And I had some amazing female salespeople but like some yeah. of the skill set that had to learn is being overcoming the voice challenges. And then my mm-hmm. skill set was like, how do I become nicer? And how do I become more friendly vocally rather than, mm-hmm. and it was like, we were both making this shift towards this nice middle ground, but it was just interesting to see that different challenges for different people just based on who we were. Yeah. Yeah. it's. I think if you're if you're somebody that doesn't necessarily have to think about it, it might be hard to understand. But I totally get that. Even with my lyrics and, and the words that I'm using, word choice is really important to me because it just determines kind of how people will listen to to my songs. Some people they really only care about the melody and kind of how it sounds, and some people really just care about the lyrics. It just depends. Yeah, I think it depends on the song for for me personally. Yeah. Like it depends okay. on yeah. sometimes sometimes the melody can carry me through. It's a nice enough mm-hmm. melody where like when I listen, sometimes the melody is so much better than the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So then I can't help but just tune into the melody and zone out mentally. I can't do that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> if they if they're just Spitting words that are just jumble, I I have to turn it off. <laughs> oh, it happens. I can't not hear it. I just can't. It really happens bad. to me when I uh, listen to like soul samples, like when they get mm. vocal soul samples and it's like this beautiful, like angelic voice that just mm-hmm. blends into the drums and the snare and then all of a sudden and then I'm like, I don't even care what you're saying, my friend. I'm just into this instrumental and just this production. And then yeah. all of a sudden, but it is, it is definitely interesting that you can't switch it off. Yeah. And I listen to a lot of like lo-fi and just instrumental jazz for that reason. <laughs> 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 I have a, I have a different standard for the words that I will, I will listen to because I'm, I'm really big in like everything you listen to influences you. So like, I won't listen to quote unquote bad music. I know every, every but he's going to define that differently. But 
um, I think everything you listen to influences you. So I just won't. If I don't feel like it's quality, I just won't listen to it. If I if I have the choice. Yeah. Do you find yourself overcritical sometimes? Because I mean, I'm sure you're critical of your own work, and then all of a sudden you pick up the mistakes that other artists make that you're trying to fix in your own work as well. Um, no, I'm really not overly critical of others' work. I would say I'm mostly my biggest critic because I understand that art is perception. So I understand that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have sung it like that or maybe I wouldn't have said it like that, but there's obviously fans and people that resonate with it. So I think in terms of critical, I would say it's, I mean, I'm a huge perfectionist and I don't think anything is good enough (laughs) that I do. So, but I think that's also good because I never want to stop because I'm never going to be, you know, no one's ever going to be perfect. You know, you struck a chord with me on that because I'm very similar. Um, yeah. It's like you said, it's 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 good and bad. It's painful and good. And like it's difficult to celebrate, I've found personally. Yeah, yeah. Like it's difficult because you're still aware of all the other things you want to fix. Yeah, but it's also like a beautiful place to be in because – I wake up I wake up every day wanting to do that. So like if I had felt like I had achieved that, like I wouldn't know kind of what to do with myself. <laughs> so I think it's a good although it's very frustrating, I will say, like I'm sure you feel that too, just little things that you probably hear or see that you're doing that get you caught up. I think it's also kind of the reason to live as well. Mm. It is definitely words that I say. A lot of words, a lot of catchphrases. I've been working on just saying less filler words and being okay with pausing and letting the right words come to me. That's really difficult to do. It's, It's very similar to music, I would say. People are also very afraid of space in music. Um. I think it's kind of what you don't say that also matters a lot. Now that's Do you it. I feel think... like the more that you talk, the less critical you are, or the more that you talk, the more critical you are? I think it's a balance of both. I'm, real, I'm hypercritical of what I say and how I say it. Mm-hmm. There are moments that I'll listen and I'll be like, that came out really nicely. Like, well done. And then 30 seconds later, I'm expressing myself again and it is an absolute shit show and I have no idea what happened. It's like I forgot to speak or how to structure a sentence and I'm like, hey, you know that thing that you did 30 seconds prior in that episode? Feel free to replicate that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you want yourself to be a factory? Not a factory, but be able to come out with I, I think eloquence is important and I mm. think it's undervalued. And so when I'm trying to speak, I'm like, I want the ideas to come out well. And I want to be able to ask a question in a concise way, because this is obviously not planned. And so yeah. it's about getting better at being more in tune with who I'm talking to asking clear questions, being able to respond in a clear manner and make it easier for my guest and also for the yeah. listener to be able to to hear what we're talking about. Yeah, that makes sense. But now that you mention it, I don't want to be a factory, so maybe I'll be less critical. You know, I'm oh, really benefiting a lot. I think what you're talking about is con- consistency is, is probably yeah. the biggest thing, that you yeah. just like want to know that when you start the recording that you're going to be able to perform. That's the same with me, though. When I get on stage, you know. Yeah. I think there's less pressure because I don't do this live in the sense of I don't have a crowd in front of me. Right, right. So, and to be fair, this is just talking. Like that's well, the been the thing for me personally that's like, hey, we're just having a conversation. Worst con- I've had yeah. many bad conversations in my life and we're not even close to anywhere near that. So I think we're all good. <laughs> 
<laughs> when you say just talking, that for that for people like me is like, oh my god, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you think what I do may be hard, and I think what you do is hard. So well, it's all relative. I appreciate that. I think it's just my way of taking the the stakes down. Yeah, it's just lowering stakes where it's. I'm just having a conversation with uh, my friend, and I and do this don't, all the time. Don't want to see anything other than real conversation, really. At this point, I feel like authenticity is only becoming more and more valued. People aren't really interested in just watching some staged kind of Q and A. I would say. Yeah, I've always found those weird because they're yeah. so manufactured. I was so worried that that's what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Why'd you say yes? Why not? I still want to, you know, I still want to come on and, and talk about my music and talk to you, but I I don't know. I just, I get nervous. And so I'm like, oh my God, what if he asks these 10 questions and, and I don't have the answer to five of them? What am I going to do? To be honest, my biggest fear is not that you don't have an answer, but is that you have a pre-recorded answer. That is honestly way worse. I would yeah. rather sit and watch you think about it yeah. than I would for you to be like, okay, let me tell you the spiel that I've said 300 times in my life. Already. And I'm so glad that I haven't had to do that once during we, our interview or during our conversation. Well, it's always danger signs when I can see your eyes glaze over while you're speaking and then I'm like, uh-oh, we've got to change this up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I will say no no pre-recorded answers so far. So we're good. <laughs> awesome. Tick. Tick the box. But yeah. I did wanna I did wanna get back to like you were talking about this like motivation that you have of like you have to get it out and then you always want to get better. And then mm-hmm. it's like a beautiful place to be in of you want to express and you need to express, but you always feel there's room to improve. Yeah. Like, how do you balance that as, like, being all-encompassing? Like, how do I not get overwhelmed by it? Or... Yeah. Because there's only one me, so, like, who am I comparing it to, you know? Like, I kind of have to keep that idea in the back of my head. Like, there's nobody else that I'm going to be directly in, in competition with or directly in comparison with. So I think as artists, we should remember that because everybody's art is is different and everybody's art is their own so I mean I try although I'm super critical I try to just balance that with not allowing myself to kind of do that negative self-talk thing I do more of just like objectively stepping back and then looking at you know my songs that I've been writing and, and things like that and I actually don't listen to my music once it's out at all because I don't I can't because I can't change it so I only listen to the stuff that's not out you know I do the same thing (laughs) it helps me a lot I used to do that I used to like be like oh my gosh that breath is in the wrong spot that and it's already out so you can't do anything about it now I just listen to my demos and obviously other people's music but so funny. It feels like we're very similar yet so different all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just just in the process of the way we create and the way we go about just managing our different art, I only listen to the podcast that I'm editing and I listen yeah. to every single one. But one, like you said, once it's out, I never want to hear it again. Yeah. I actually hate my friends sometimes do this to me and they just put it on. I'm like, turn it off. I can't listen to it because it's already mm-hmm. it's so far away from the last time I thought about it and the last time I was already critical of it I can't re- let myself remind like I don't want to be reminded of the things that I've been working on already and I've already had that conversation and heard it so I'm like pass you listen to it and I'm also sometimes it's hard too because I'll get a demo where I'm like I usually listen to my demos like in the car and I'll get a demo where I'm like so attached to how it sounds. And then once the studio recording is done, it's like the magic is kind of gone. Mm. So that's also something that 
I need to balance too. So do you often listen in the car? Um, yeah. I'll listen back on like stuff that I had written either that day or that week. I try not to listen to it on the same day that I wrote it. I try to like give myself time and then, yeah, I'll listen to demos from like a year ago, two years ago. I have way too many. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good problem to have that you have too much music recorded. Yeah. Well, not really recorded, but just kind of those informal demos. And that's kind of something else that gets overwhelming, I would say, is that's just one piece of of this the puzzle. Obviously, you have to get it produced. You have to go get it recorded. You have to do the cover art, storyline, all that sort of thing. So sometimes I try not to overwhelm myself with that and just let it be a good song for a while until I'm kind of like, I feel like the time is right to, to finish it. Do you write all the time? Yeah, I try to write every day. Because I used to not be like that. I, I really started that this year. Um, I used to kind of let inspiration just hit me in the face. And like, it's really a muscle. The, the creative mind is a muscle. And I also realized pretty recently that doing nothing is really good for my creative mind. And I, I also realized like when I was younger, that's when I would write songs is when I was bored or that's what I'd be humming. And kind of the way I was doing it before where when I would let, you know, inspiration just hit me in the face and be like, oh, I'm writing today because I have this great idea. If I was super busy, that would mean I wouldn't be writing for weeks or months at a time. And that just didn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm finding your creative process so intriguing and so interesting because a lot of people I talk to, they're like, I just live my life. And then I see things and that inspires me to come up with an idea or well, a thought. Well, that's, that's the same for me too. I mean, obviously that happens, but I also have become a lot more formulaic about like what works and doesn't work because I know that Ed Sheeran talked about this a lot. One time he was interviewed about, you know, his songwriting process and he's like, you kind of have to get all the shitty songs out to get that one good hit, you might take a hundred songs to get it. But if you're not consistently writing and getting all that out of you, out of your system, you can't really get to that place. It's no different than athletes. Like athletes are in the gym every day practicing. Why are we not doing that too? I actually agree with you. Yeah. I think you got to make the mistake hundreds of times to try and correct it. And it's an ego thing. I would say, you know, it's not fun to listen back to a song that was one of the shitty ones that needed to come out. But once you get to like a rhythm and you feel like it's developing into something more, maybe not that song, but a new song because of it. I think that's like really, it just validates all the time that you're putting in. Mm. And I also think, you know, if you can do it at home, repeatedly successfully you can probably do it on stage and you can probably do it when you're needed to because it becomes automatic and i think you don't have to think about it yeah and the there is something cool about the moment of like like you were talking about the moment of like the pressure is on can i deliver but also to have enough of a catalog enough of training in your background to be like i can i I've gotten, I'm prepared for this. And just doing it so many times that you don't even have to think about it. Like I don't get nervous to go on stage anymore because I know that a, I love the fact that whatever happens, happens like that. I'm like that sort of junkie where like, I love spontaneity, but also you have to get to a point where you've done it so many times that like, you just have to trust yourself. If you, if you don't trust yourself, you're, you're going to you're going to mess up and I used to ride horses like all growing up and that was a really big thing when I was riding is if you don't trust the horse or if you don't trust yourself they will do something that could throw you off the horse and that's kind of the same thing when I get on stage 
Like if I feel in the back of my mind, like some sort of insecurity, like I'm going to mess up. That is a cool analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I'm getting on stage, I'm kind of like getting on a a horse. On a horse. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you riding horses as a kid? Um, from about seven to 16 or 17. And I really, I, my horse just went to live with somebody that, that he could just like go out in the pasture and just hang out because I was in high school and I just didn't have the time mm. to put in. Um, cause it, every day at the stable, like you can't just like do that and do cross country tracks, musical, all of that stuff. So I would just visit him at that point once we gave him to a, to another family. Mm. I remember riding a horse as a kid. We, we went on a school camp and it was not as calm as what you describe it as because I remember I was a pretty tall kid. Like I stopped growing when I was like <laughs> 16. I like stayed my height. Um, oh my gosh, so, gosh. so I, I, I had this, they gave me this horse. I was in primary school. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. elementary school in the U S but um, they gave me this uh, horse dollar and he, he was a big horse. And you like, remember his name? Yeah, I remember because it was it etched into my head because they didn't call you as your name when you were on the horse. They called you by the horse's name, which oh. I thought was quite impersonal personally because they were like Dollar, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm Aaron," but whatever. Um, <laughs> and we were just walking around, and I don't know what was going on, but out of nowhere, the horse like got up on its hind legs and neighed, and I was. And then they yelled at me for not controlling my horse. And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. This is the first time. Were you time. scared before he did that? Uh, no, I was actually okay, I think. I was definitely worried about uh, Dollar's uh, temperament from that moment moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was my experience horse riding for the first time. And I was like, oh, right, it's not as easy as it looks. They can totally sense any sort of fear or apprehension. So maybe that's what it was. I mean, I was. Maybe you had something subconsciously going on. Yeah. To be, well, it's because I knew inherently I had zero control. Okay. Well, there you go. They will throw you off. (laughs) 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 Yeah. You get Uh, the right horse and they'll throw you off. That's for sure. Well, he definitely tried. Uh, luckily I have, I survived to live another day. Uh, so you didn't fall off. I didn't No, Mm -hmm. The survival instinct was strong at that time. I think, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Do you miss riding horses? I do. Um, while I'm, while I'm on tour starting at the end of the month, um, it's basically like a Southern U S tour and my dad lives in Oklahoma and he lives kind of in the middle of nowhere. So a lot of his neighbors have horses and I'm going to get back to riding while I'm down there. I do it when I can, but like, I really haven't had any time to do that. So. Yeah. Well, you are pretty busy trying. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're just <laughs> It's kind of something around. that I know that once I've kind of got to a place where I feel like I've achieved some of my goals, then I'll probably get back into it more regularly but yeah we do give up a lot of the things we used to enjoy as kids when we become adults because you just have so much time and no expectation to produce any results yeah. <laughs> you just get to wake up you get taken to school then you get taken home so i mean i think everybody would probably benefit from like reconnecting with the things that they used to do as kids I think that kind of gets like stigmatized a little bit. Like if you liked doing arts and crafts, like you can still do arts and crafts when you're 50. I actually think it's good if you have something creative. Yeah. Something. I look at people that I know and I'm like, how do you not feel like you have to get something out? Like, yeah, I feel like whether it's, it doesn't even have to be good. It's not even about the good or bad. It's like about the expression. Yeah. And I wonder, like, if there's something inside that 
like I do, I just think there's so much untapped potential out there because people just haven't let it out or don't have the ability to let it out. Yeah, some people, I mean, some people grew up in an environment where it wasn't allowed or it wasn't valued or it wasn't praised or they didn't see their parents doing anything for themselves. So I can kind of understand like where people get to that spot because it really is a muscle that you kind of work, a creative muscle that you work, I would say. So if people never really got to even try or develop it, I think it can be really tough. Mm. And I don't know what, maybe they work out for, for that. Like maybe there's other ways for that to, to happen, like in the brain, but I think it's always good. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think exercise is one of those coping mechanisms for sure. Yeah. It like frees yourself. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I still think like creativity can be found in so many different places. You just got to find your version of it. Like whether it's building Lego, which I personally could think of nothing worse than building Lego because <laughs> puzzles and, and stuff like that was never my vibe. Oh my but goodness. if that's what you need to do to like feel creative, then like do it. Like, yeah, mine is cooking as well. I love cooking. Oh, do you have a signature dish? No, I don't. I feel like that I is just, the first question everyone asks when you're like, yeah. do you like, you like cooking? Signature dish. I I have things that I tip, typically make, but I also love like looking up recipes that I've never seen before and just trying it out and kind of getting it to the point where it's perfect. I, I think I go into like a really good flow state cooking because it's kind of something different from music that I can just zone out. I don't need a phone for it. I don't need any information for it, obviously, other than like a recipe if I'm doing a recipe. But it's just something that I can kind of zone out. And I think everybody should have something where they can do that. Mm. I agree. Yeah. I actually like cooking as well. I like the... I like the process and you feel things and like just cutting and you add, like I can follow recipes, but I often make decisions that I'm like, I'm going to add a little bit more, a little bit less, and I'm going to modify this my way. I change it to my, to my version of that as well. That's why I'm not good at baking. I'm a horrendous baker. Me too. (laughs) I worked at a bakery though, so that's kind of crazy that i didn't pick it up it's just not intuitive for me it's because it's too formulaic i found it was like you have to get your measurements right because otherwise the bread won't rise yeah all of that and with cooking it's kind of you can adjust as you go whereas like once you put it in the oven for baking you might wait 40 minutes and then you have cardboard in the oven yeah yeah i was huge pass from me on baking (laughs) <laughs> I'm the type of baker who, like, if I'm baking with someone, I want to throw flour on you because I'm bored. I'm like, yeah, like I need to find some sort of distraction because, yeah, whereas, like, give me a pan and, and like, we're throwing ingredients in and we're roughly chopping and then I'm just going to add stuff we got. That's my vibe and stirring. I can't leave I things alone. I'm the same. Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> really is. Yeah. Well, I only have one more question for you and it will okay. probably be the hardest question I've asked. So uh, you might not have an answer for it, it is, and it's the only question that I plan on the show. So okay. uh, I lied to you when I say I don't plan any. Um, but oh. if you... <laughs> uh, I thought we uh, were doing so well and being spontaneous. I know, I know. Well, you're going to have to be spontaneous with this. So okay. um, if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to once to get an appreciation of doesn't have to be the best album of all time just to appreciate cannot be your own music can be any genre of music what would it be see i saw the look on your face immediately going oh my god (laughs) because i know the names of the songs on the album i don't know if i actually know the album name because there's so many that come to mind um Probably 19 by Adele. Why 19? Because that was kind of before she blew up, and I think that was her most honest songwriting, and I 
I really had that songwriting really shaped me as a as an artist and it was just very honest and and usually very minimalist in terms of production and that's kind of the, the type of music that I just can appreciate so much when you can really just listen to a guitar and a voice and in the words and just feel everything and I feel like that album her first album 19 obviously it catapulted her into the icon that she is but there's sort of a uniqueness of that sound that she not lost but changed once kind of the chaos started of of stardom and, and things like that and it's just like a really I have so many memories of listening to that album it's a very nostalgic album for me that's a really good answer to that question i gotta say okay, good. <laughs> um, so, my second choice was chet baker i just don't remember the name of the album it's i think it's old devil moon but i'm not sure oh no it's called chet baker sings which it's, i gotta it's say i'm pretty album. impressed with the album title because it's like yeah. chet baker pod- sings well he's a he's a trumpet player so oh, okay he sings on it and he's a jazz trumpet player and he sings on it and then he solos with his trumpet but it's it's a very good. Chet Baker was my number one artist for 2022 Spotify Raps. Oh really? Yeah. It's a good shout out yeah. to. Chet he's such Baker. a he has such a depressed tone, but it also he's able to sing happy songs with it. It's very you should check it out. You should check him yeah, out. Yeah, I will have to. You know, yeah. I might change the podcast to Aaron Talks. Do it. That's yeah. super catchy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, to be fair. I have started interviewing more than just hip hop artists. So yeah. um it is developing. I think that's that's part of the fun. I realized a while ago that like, hey, you know what? I can interview whoever I want. That's actually Literally. Yeah. So so that's the fun of and you can well, sing about all, whatever. We're you all want. inspired by hip hop. So anybody anybody that's making music is inspired by hip hop. So I think it still works. Or you could change it to hustle talks. Yeah, that's true. Well, I was like, if I would, if I had to change it, I'd probably change it to like hu- hustle or something. Just drop the hip hop because like everyone is hustling. Everyone that I speak yeah. to is legitimately like going after it, doing their thing, and you're obviously one of them. Um, so thank you. Yeah, no, I I think yeah, I don't know. I just I think that title's very very cool. But I yeah. did want to ask you one other question that. I forgot to ask, well, not that I forgot, that that came when you said, but like I've wondered what it is that when an artist blows up, it feels like that first project remains as their best. I find it extremely rare to be able Mm -hmm. to find an artist who drops their big first and then be able to do that time and again. And like I think about people like, Personally, for me, Biggie, his first album, Ready to Die, was unbelievable. Um, I think, you know, Eminem did the same thing. His first project that blew him up, 50 Cent, had the same thing. And there's just like list after list after list. Um, Mac Miller, his first project, Kendrick. Um, obviously, Lauren Hill only had one project, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, that would be I impossible to, to replicate. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah. What's the question? Well, I was just like, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder why they can't replicate it. Like, oh, that's easy for me to answer, because all the situations and the pain that they went through before the fame are so different and so real for the everyday person. Whereas when they blow up, they get disconnected with that, and things become easier in terms of, you know, now I have a roof over my head. I get three meals a day. You write from a very different place when you're desperate. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. And I think even if you're making, you know, typically happy songs or happy art in general, like it's still coming from a place of of trying to fill a void. And so once that void is full, it's really hard to get back to that place of like vulnerability and, and desperation. So I think about that a lot, actually. And I'm glad you asked it because that's kind of where I write from and and I can tell kind of the switch whenever an artist kind of switches over to to feeling comfortable, I would say it's definitely a comfort thing. I think 
there's something must be broken with us as humans that we need a pain and suffering to like or avoid like there's well, there's an emptiness that we need to create from and that when we're satisfied the creativity isn't as strong or it isn't as yeah. poignant i can't write when i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> i can't it's like impossible even if i'm writing a happy song it's just i mean just maybe everybody it's different for everybody but that's how i get through I think a lot of art is just people's therapy. That's their way of just getting through. So I don't know. Once once everything's taken care of and you're just getting regular checks in, you, you don't have that same hunger and that same drive. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, see, that's the weird thing. Like I want everyone to be successful. But then selfishly as a listener, I'm like, Hey, if you're not as successful, then maybe you'll keep dropping the music I like. Um, That's why I want to stay independent because I know it's a longer road, but I know it'll make truer art. I don't have to ask anybody if I can put out a song. I don't have to, you know, answer to anybody if I if I put out a visual that I like and no one else likes, you know. It's a longer road, but again, I think it makes for better art because you're not having teams of people kind of putting in their input you, you can remain authentic yeah and to yeah. be honest you'll probably be more successful money wise they say that like you know you may not get the fame but it is underrated being independent because you get you get it all like you put in yeah. the work but you get it all as opposed to loans which is 90 percent of label deals they're all loans. exactly i think it's really hard for the majority of artists to stay authentic once they get to that spot where they have all the money and, and everything is, is kind of going up and up and up. It's like, do you remember what it was like to just go to Walmart and like have to only buy black beans? Cause you don't have enough money in your account. Like, do you remember that? I don't know. But I think it goes back to, they've become the moniker. So they don't. Yeah. It's cool to talk about. It's not cool to feel. Yeah. But then you can kind of sometimes people will write about those situations from a very inauthentic place and it's really easy to tell, I would say. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. But I think it's trend hopping. But I think definitely for sure independent artists, uh, there is a huge wave of independent artists. I think we had the label artists and people like yourself are finding their voice, literally. They're, they're finding the space. And I think we're also as fans – realizing there is enough space for your big label kind of perfect production while also having enough space for people who are putting out their authentic selves and putting out imperfect music that makes it unique and makes it special. So you're definitely one of those people in it and it makes uh it it definitely makes the space more interesting. It makes it more fun as well because it's not cookie cutter. Right. Well, I'm so glad that you think so. <laughs> well, I definitely do. And I really appreciate, Kels, you coming on the show. Um, we had a long wind-up. I said it was my last question. Then we we ended up in a different rabbit hole. Um, but for anyone that hasn't checked her out, please make sure you check her out. She's got an amazing voice. Um, and if you weren't sold before the interview, you definitely should be sold now because it's coming from a genuine place. Um, there's many things on the road. And you're doing tours in southern USA. Hopefully, you'll have to do a tour in, in Australia at some point as well. I want to. I really want to. That flight, it's a long one. Hey, welcome to my life. And <laughs> to get to anywhere is is that flight. I flew to Denver last year and it was like 26 hours. Just the oh, whole so thing was so long. Um, it's worth it. Like, it's definitely yeah. worth it. Um, but, but yeah. You'll do it when you do it. Hopefully right. one day you're like, it's worth it to come down here. But as I said, uh, make sure you check her out, Spotify, YouTube. Um, you're also on TikTok. We didn't even talk about TikTok. You you had great success on TikTok as well uh, with your with your live performance as well. So, yeah, it's all happening. And as I said, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, and Thank is there you anything so you wanted to plug? Um, you can follow me anywhere at Finding Kels. That's where I put all of my tour announcements and all of my new music. Um, 
otherwise yeah just be on the lookout for for a new project easy short short and sweet that's what we like to have on the show (laughs) yep thank you so much thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now